Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another rousing rendition of what we like to call the Brethren Podcast. And we're back with a, uh, I guess, I don't know, this might be just a slice. This might be a cocktail combo. I'm not sure. Uh, but I have been uh, demanded uh, to relinquish my moderating slash hosting duties. Uh, and I will uh, graciously pass it over to uh, my brother and fellow co-host, Mr. Destrian Wales, uh, because he has... Uh, he is uh, he has bullied me into doing this, so we will see how this goes. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know whether I'm supposed to continue at this point, or should I just pass it over to you? So I'm just I'm just gonna pass it to you, bro. This is it, you know I'm passing it on to Miss uh, Mr. Wells at this point. I think a couple of things needs to happen. First of all, number one, this is workplace behavior violation one on one, and so you're not gonna say that I'm bullying you. Uh, a summons and a demand are two different things. The difference for ladies and gentlemen, a summons is a request. A demand is a statement of fact that you have to do something. I requested your presence to talk about something that I think is of extreme importance. And it's something that you've been doing for a few years. And I just wanted to really bring light and, um, bring light to it, man, because I think it's super dope that you do it. I missed out on it with you this year, but in the years going forward, I, I don't want to miss it. But, um, you know, for, for our avid listeners, they know how you feel about supporting a uh, culture, being a culture carrier. Um, the fact that you're creative, the fact that you have all these nuances and these diverse things that you do in terms of your passion, you do such a great job bringing to life who your co-hosts are in terms of myself, Felicia, and Doc. I don't think we talk enough about who you are. And so I wanted to take this opportunity for one of the dopest things that you do, again, on an annual basis. I want you to talk why was it important to you and what connected you to the idea or the spirit of saying, Hey, you know what? Not only do I want to take a trip to the motherland each year, but then developing a, a, a team of people where you're like, I'm going to take a group of people from my alma mater and I'm going to um, explore the motherland and experience this with them. So talk to me a little bit about that, bro. Yeah. Um, so first, let me say, you know, my apologies for misunderstanding uh, the difference between a requisition and a uh, and a demand. Um, and an acquisition. Yeah, 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 requisition and an acquisition. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, uh, I kind of alluded to, I've been a travel agent, you know, on the side for, I think, maybe like 12 years at this point, something like that. Um, and... I, you know, I made it my business to explore once I found out how affordable it was to travel. You know, growing up, you kind of have this this idea that, you know, traveling the globe is is only something that, you know, the rich or the wealthy can can do, especially when you grow up and you see movies like Home Alone. And, you know, it, you know, the parents are in first class and they taking like 12 people. You're like, this got to cost a lot of money. Uh, but once I got into the industry and I you know realized that it was affordable. Um, one of my main goals was to make sure that people that look like us understood that, like, you you can go to, you know, Paris, you can go to London, you can go to Africa, you can go to Portugal. China, Portugal, Spain, you can go around the globe um, 
and not you know not have to be rich to do it it's very affordable and there's ways to make it even more affordable and even more accessible because we always talk about access here on the podcast um and so that was you know that's one of my main goals just exposing people to uh to the to the possibilities and the access that comes with traveling um and so you know for for the past past you know for the past 10 to 12 years um every year annually I made it my business to take me personally, my family, uh, my wife and my child on a, on a, uh, on an international trip. Um, so we've been to, we've been to Paris, we've been to Spain, we've been to Amsterdam, we've been to Portugal. Um, and I always grew up, I grew up watching Rick Steves travel, which is, it was him traveling around Europe. So, you know, I became fascinated with just seeing that and watching travel channel with my pops growing up and seeing Europe, um, and the images of Europe were always something that were, you know, very, uh, you know, mesmerizing, uh, for lack of a better term. But the images that we normally see of Africa aren't that, you know what I'm saying? We see the most beautiful thing that we probably see about Africa in a, on a normal occurrence is probably, you know, the jungle, the safaris and all of that. But in terms of everything else, we don't really get to see the real truth of what Africa looks like. And so, like I said, I've done... Um, a couple of trips to Europe and, um, and, at the, you know, I really just basically got to a point where I was like, okay, I've seen in enough of it at this point to where I want to go. I want to, I want to try another continent. Um, and I had an opportunity a while back that I, I missed uh, was uh, we had a chance to visit Morocco, but I waited too late because uh, we had visited, we went to Spain and uh, we had a chance to visit uh, Gibraltar which is in between Morocco and, um, and, and, and the bottom of Spain. Um, but I missed the window to book in order for us to take the ferry over to Morocco. So that would have been my first introduction into, um, into, uh, into Africa, but I missed that. So, um, and so I made it my business to, you know, okay, I'm going to visit Africa. Uh, I didn't know where, I didn't know which country, um, and so I just kind of, you know, kind of let it come to me. And maybe the maybe like the past year I went into maybe like the past year and a half, I went down a rabbit hole of really kind of jumping in and, and reading and studying Booker T. Washington uh, a little bit more, uh, going through his his letters um, and going through, you know, fully actually reading up from slavery. I know it's something that we're required to do at, at Ski. Um but, you know, cliff notes and things of that nature. But I actually took time, sat down, listened to it, read it. Um, and then going through his papers, which is a collection of all the letters back and forth and correspondence between him and others. Um, and then finding out stuff like I found out that he has a he had a summer home literally not too far from where I am currently in New York. And so this, you know, this snowballed into more and more just digging into it. Um, and then I found out that there is a very deep connection between the continent of Africa and Tuskegee University and different countries in Africa, South Africa being one of them, Togo being another, um, Ghana, Liberia. There's there's several countries uh, in Africa that have very direct uh, connections with Tuskegee. Uh, like I said, South Africa was one. And then, you know, through my travel research, um, prices basically and uh, timing. Um, Cape Town, South Africa popped up as being number one affordable, uh, the timeline fit, and there was a connection with Tuskegee. Um, and when I saw the picture of Cape Town, 
it was the same feeling that I felt when I saw the picture of Lisbon, when I saw the picture of uh, Malaga, Spain, where it's just like this tropical kind of vibe. You see, I the gotta be there. I get, got the, I, 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 gotta I gotta go I gotta see. Gotta be there. Um, yeah. And so that that's basically what it was. I, I, you know, the opportunity presented itself, and I was like, I gotta take it. And every year when it's time for us to take our international trip, I go and I will research two or three places that fall within our budget, and then I give it to I give it to Shan. And I say, you know, pick one. And this one, it was a no-brainer because it's like, so we got an opportunity to go to the motherland? Yeah. No-brainer, we're going to do that. Um, So everybody was on board. So we went last year, completely fell in love with the beauty, the people, the feeling. And it's something that's, you know, I've mentioned it to you, it's spiritual. And so the second time around. I was going to, I was actually going to bring that up, AJ. I was going to ask you, man, like, you know, for you to go back and you to make it an annual thing, what is it that attracts you to coming back? And a lot of times we go places and we uh, we experience them for the first time. It's like, hey, this was good, but I'm good. For you to go back, for you to take your family back, you to take your daughter, but then a group. What it, what is it about Cape Town specifically that um that pulls you in in that way? So. Cape Town, I I don't know if what expectations I had the first time. I don't really know what expectations I had. I can't recall any expectations. I just know the pictures that I saw, and it's a very modern-looking city through pictures. So I was like, number one, cool. Um, But Cape Town itself, they call it the mother city. It is a very international city, meaning there, it has an influx of people that are not from there, too. It puts you in the mind of a large metro. It is a, a, a large metro area, but it puts you in the mind of like a New York, uh, an LA, a Miami, an Atlanta, because it has a very large uh, central business downtown area that's full of tall buildings and you know banking and businesses and things of that nature. And then literally five minutes to your left is the ocean and two of the top 10 beaches in the world. And to your right is Table Mountain, which is one of the seven natural wonders of the world. So it's like you, and and uh, you just, you, you get there and you just, everybody immediately says, welcome home. That's what really did it for me. Like I said, I've been to a couple of other countries and nobody ever told me welcome home. Even coming back to America, I don't think anybody's ever told me welcome home and customs but AJ if I may I think I think we resonate with that so much because of the HBCU culture it doesn't matter what HBCU you go to you're you're part of a big cookout or backyard barbecue where as long as you did you did right and so there have there's been a lot of conversation over uh, I would say the course of the past five to ten years around relations between people that are from the motherland and black Americans that reside in, um, in the States. I don't hear any of that from your uh, exploration or the group that went over. It seems very welcoming and very kind. So can you debunk any of that for us too? 100%, 100%. I will, I can, and I will continue to do it. And that's one of the, one of the key reasons on why I wanted to bring more people with me. I literally told you and I told others, I was like, you know, this, 
this is this was just me inviting everybody to come on our family trip because we were going back regardless. Like this is one of the first places and and currently the only place that myself, my wife and my child are both like, we can't wait to come back. We want to go back. We miss this place. There's not like I, I don't I don't have this longing feeling of having to return to Paris or having to return to Amsterdam. Cool spots. Great places to visit, but I don't have this feeling in my gut like I got to get back over there. I have and had that feeling with Cape Town. And I was able to, this time around, even more so, have actual conversations with people that live there. Um, some of them from there, some of them have been living in Cape Town for, you know, uh, 15, 20 plus years. Um, and, you know, born and bred Africans. And we have that conversation of, you know, we thought y'all didn't like us and they thought that we didn't like them too. And it was, you know, it's it's... Number one, probably lost in translation. Number two, it's not enough intermingling of us to have the conversation to find out if it's actually true. It's just something we heard because somebody else said or they said. And when you actually sit and have the conversation, it's like, oh, well, I never said that. And I, you never said that. So who said it? And it was never true to begin with. Uh, now, obviously, we can find isolated incidents and things of that nature where it may apply. But for the, for the vast majority of the people, 98 percent of the people that we encountered on a daily basis now this is you know from the people that worked in our hotel to the people that braided braided our braided braided hair to our tour guides to you know the people that worked at the restaurants that we visited we got nothing but love and the joy and uh and 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 happiness that we saw on people's faces that looked like us when they saw a group of us black Americans, black folks in general coming in, it was, it was something that was like, I want, I want this feeling to continue and I don't ever want it to stop. And so, so it's, it that's, that's really what it was. So it, it sounds like a, a experience has been created and I wouldn't necessarily call it an aura, but there's a vibe that, you know, you want to create and have and you've kind of figured out a way to have that um from an international standpoint but i guess one of the things that i would want to do it takes it takes true connectivity and we talk a lot about the human element um on the podcast are there any businesses or people that you want to shout out or give credence to for making sure that when you arrive and when you land that there's nothing for you to think about and it's love when you get there and you genuinely know that these are good people because I would love for other folks to connect with them and leverage their services as well. Number one, and automatic on the top of that list is my cousin. And I call him my cousin now because I literally trusted this man with my life, the life of my family and the life of everybody that, that you know, uh, that came with us. We trusted him. Um, and it was nothing but above the board business practice. Um, and that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's my brother Tingo, who is the owner and proprietor of Santa Cruz tours. If you are ever in Cape town or Johannesburg or the surrounding area, you would be doing yourself a disservice not to reach out to him. Even if it's for, a, you know, a couple of hours tour or just to have a conversation, because when I tell you the, the, the man, his team are knowledgeable, they are, you know, they educate you on more than just the touristy things like, and that's one of the things that me and him talked about, you know, 
You can go on a tour in all of these, in any city, any city you go to, you can get go on a tour and you'll have somebody walk around and just basically read off of a cue card to you. Here to your left, you will see this statue. Here to your right, you will see this structure. It was built in this year, and this is the year that it was renovated. And it's a major, you know, it's a major attraction here in this city, blah, 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 blah. But for somebody to take the time and educate you on why things are a certain way, why do businesses close at a certain time, and to really get into the meat and potatoes, as some folks call it, of to why the city, the economy, and everything works and runs and looks right. the way that it does, is completely eye-opening, especially for us coming in as Black Americans to help understand why, uh, you know, certain people may act a certain way when we come into the room or something is like, well, this is why. Well, this is why you see this interaction taking place like that. Uh, and 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 being able, and you know, it's one of those things uh, we talk about too, of being a good steward. And one of the right. things is being a good steward of your access. Because we have the ability to go to these places doesn't necessarily mean that they have the ability to come here. So what right. we have to be as good stewards of that access is being able to portray a great image and putting a good foot forward. Um, I'll share this with you too. Um, one of one of our friends went on the trip. Shout out to Ja. Um, and she was tipping. She was tipping people with American money when she first got there. Literally, like giving them a dollar. One of our dollars is twenty South African rand. Um, so you know, by 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 all accounts, one American dollar is a is a good tip over there, uh, because it's you know customary. I think usually like three to five rand for tips. Uh, you know, just for, you know, like if you're buying a, a drink or something at a bar or, you know, tipping a, a bellhop or something like that, three to five rand is customary. Uh, so she's giving them 20 rand, but she's giving them an American one dollar bill. And she noticed that when she was tipping the dollar, people were like excited, like just like, oh, wow, thank you so much. Um, and then we, you know, we had an experience. We went out uh, and she was trying to pay with it. And the uh, the restaurant wouldn't allow her to pay with American money because they don't convert. So, you know, you had to pay in Rand or pay with your card. So I ended up getting, you know, getting Rand. And then so the next day when she went back to the uh, back to the spot to, a, to back to the spot where she was tipping them in dollars, she tipped them in Rand. And they just said, you know, simple, a simple thank you. And so she asked one of them, she was like, hey, quick question. How come when I was tipping American money, everybody was like really excited. And now that I'm tipping Rand and she was tipping the equivalent that she was giving them. It was just, a, you know, a simple thank you. Still grateful and still appreciate. But it was just, you know, thank you. And the, la the, the, the lady said, well, because a lot of us have never even seen American money. So the fact that you're giving it to us is more of a gift than a tip, because most of us are going to save that dollar just to say yeah, that we got it that. and we're to go. We're not going to spend it. We're going to go show it to our friends and our family to expose them mm -hmm. to this is what American money looks like, because most of them will never see it and probably never even get a chance to go and think, go to America to see it. I think you bring up uh, um, an excellent point, bro, in the fact that we all have to be ambassadors of culture and specifically with one another and understanding that. Culture, even amongst us, is diverse. And in order to truly immerse yourself in the full experience of being uh, uh, an African-American person or a black person, wh wh whatever you want to classify yourself and how you want to handle it, um, to each its own. But that is, a, that is an experience in itself. And it matters most who you experience is who you experience that with. Right. And so, you know, you guys going there doing that, meeting good people. You talked about 
trusting people with your life. And that's real internationally, man. Like this, I'm here on your soil. But the fact that you can feel at home, but also create a sense of belonging where people would feel comfortable coming on our soil and spending time with us, I think it's important because I don't, I honestly don't think we do that enough amongst each other in, in our community. So my, my follow up to that would be, and you, you, you told a great story about Ja, but you took probably 20, 30 people on this trip. Right. And so what did that do for you and your family personally in terms of resetting, connecting? Because a lot of people may not know um, you do this thing called uh, grounding. You might you, see so you might not even remember I remember that. <laughs> I know you take your shoes off, you go outside, you connect with the earth, you know, you do these things. So how is that connecting? a larger group of people with where our origins are actually from. So for, uh, I didn't really ask myself this question until I got back and I explained it to people while we were on the trip, especially my wife and communicate where I was like, you know, I, I was very high anxiety the entire time because I'm, I'm everybody's travel agent. Um, I don't travel with my with my clients. Nor normally, my clients book somewhere. You book with me before. You know, you go, you come back. I make sure you. I make sure everything is straight before you go. Plane tickets and hotel room is there. Long as you get in and you don't call me, nothing's wrong. I'm fine. But and so my anxiety is not that high. And then once everybody's back, but this time I'm traveling with people, so I'm I'm literally you know just worried. Like, okay, is everybody going to make the same connector? Because one of the blessings was we were all on the same direct flight from Atlanta straight to Cape Town. So we were all, we all met up in Atlanta. So, you know, I got a, you know, a little, little worried, like, is everybody going to make it on time? Are we going to make it on this flight together? You know, are we going to get in? Now we're there. Is everybody going to be able to check in with no issues? And, but the hotel was prepared. They already knew we were coming. Obviously when we got there, they took us all in a conference room, had all of our stuff ready. They was like, hey, once you we came in the door, everybody give me your passports. Okay. All right. Y'all rooms are ready. Easy, straightforward process. Um, and then so during the whole trip, I'm, you know, I'm just making sure that everybody's happy. You know, is, is everything good? Is there any issues? Because now I'm here and as a travel agent, a lot of these things normally I would have to handle, you know, remotely, but I'm here, but nothing is wrong. Nothing's nothing goes wrong. One or two small minor hiccups that were that was something on my end that I was able to fix very quickly and dealing with the people there, it was it was it was a breeze. It wouldn't even be considered a problem. Um, but being able to experience the same thing that I experienced before through the vantage and the viewpoint of others was mesmerizing for me um, because we all uh, we all uh, create created a WhatsApp group uh, channel for us to, you know, communicate with each other while we were there and before and after the trip. And so every day, all day, while we were on these, you know, all, all, all these excursions together, everybody would send their pictures, you know, either while we were doing it or while we got to the hotel, when we got on Wi-Fi and things of that nature. And so you're seeing everybody's perspective and it's like, oh, we were all at the Botanical Gardens together, but your picture of this view and this angle 
is amazing. Oh, we were all at the safari together, but your picture of the elephant is just like, it's amazing. And, you know, so seeing everybody experience the same thing at the same time, but have equally amazing reactions to it is something that I I would I I would love to and plan to replicate that over and over again. And it helped me also kind of break down that myth of it's hard to get black folks to travel together. Cause when I tell you I took a group of 29 people and nobody really knew each other beforehand. Like this is not some this is not like my entire family. This is a group mixed of people that have common connections and common threads. Uh, yeah, I saw uh I saw a couple of uh I saw a couple of posts with uh with 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 God Mom and John where they was like kindred spirits and yeah like and that they, that was another beautiful thing of seeing people you know seeing developing groups, new bonds developing new bonds new relationships and and seeing that and being able to foster that in a place like that in an environment like mm -hmm. that. It was it was truly, you know, honestly a magical experience. And I'll share this, and I think I shared it with you, but I'll share it with everybody else. Ave, uh, my four-year-old little girl, she asked me at one point, she was like, Daddy, is this a dream? And mind wow. you, she's been there before, but um her preschool she really, teacher she can, she can experience it now. Like, so look, her, her preschool, her her preschool teacher, her very first in-person teacher that she ever had in life, her and her fiance came on this trip. Um her godmother went on this trip. She wanted Shan's best friends. Uh, Abe's godmother, she went on this trip. John went on this trip, which is somebody we mutually know. There were uh, about four other people that um, that went to Tuskegee. Uh, they were there at the same time I was there. They, they, you might, you were gone by the time they got there, but they were on this trip, and they brought uh, their parents, and then you know other friends and family and brothers and so like and then one of shan's co-workers brought her mom her dad her sons her sister one of their friends so it was like a, a a hodgepodge group if you will of people but then seeing those people create bonds and 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 hang out like you know after the day and the excursion is done where well, we don't have to be on the bus together when you see the group of people that don't know each other sitting and like sitting at the bar having a drink and then like okay we go walk and have breakfast in the morning at this spot we found seeing that man it, it's like seeing that happen in that kind of place was magical and it's a feeling that i don't take for granted um is it that's part of the spiritual thing for me when you when i told you a while back i was like it was spiritual this time it was that like the first time it was it was kind of surreal you know the first time i visited was kind of surreal like i cannot believe this exists it exists like this and, and it's more think, it's more it's probably more beautiful than people even give it creep way way yes. more man and it has all of the things that we're used to don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's paradise, but it's paradise. But the same way we got yeah. paradise over here and it's a homeless man on the corner, it's the same thing there. But there's a lot of work possibility um, that can be done. And one of the things that really fascinated me with, with Cape Town, and you know, I'll finish with this, is the parallels between Cape Town and America and the plight of Blacks in Cape Town in South Africa. Right. And the plight of black people in America are so similar and so parallel. And more of us need to study and learn about that and educate ourselves mm -hmm. on it because that 
will be the catalyst for an amazing movement and an amazing amount of power because apartheid yes. for them, which is the which is the basically the same exact thing as what black experience, segregation, redlining, redlining, Jim Crow, and all of that, that didn't end for them until 1994. Now, you shared a story with me when you got back, and um, I'll, I'll give you two more and I'll get you out of here, man, but um, you shared a story with me about the fact that people would go home at a certain time because they were uncomfortable being out after the sundown. That is crazy. Mm -hmm. Six like, o'clock during apartheid six, at six p.m. Blacks had to be in within the walls. And, and and shout out to Tingo for really educating on this because I saw this stuff before, but I didn't understand it. I just I just took it for what it was. Oh, the neighborhoods have walls and barbed wire around it in some places. And there's barbed wire and fences around everywhere. But the neighborhoods have a wall, a brick wall with barbed wire around all of the, the larger neighborhoods, the neighborhoods themselves. And that's because at six o'clock during apartheid, if you were black, you had to be within the walls, the confines of your neighborhood, or you were taken to jail. That's there crazy. Was, there was sundown law across, and this is across all of South Africa, the country. This is not just in Cape Town. This right. is a this is the entire country. So for me, it was, you know, seeing that. And then now I understand why at four o'clock every day in the city, you see yes, a, a mass exodus of people yeah. leaving town to get on the trains to head out to their townships and their neighborhoods before sundown. And it's because it's still ingrained in their culture. Even though apartheid has been over since 1994, the, the vast majority of them who were born and raised or lived through apartheid or their parents lived through apartheid, they still hold to those those things. You know? I think that speaks to the I think that speaks to the psychology exactly of how, how these things impact you for generations because what's that two two plus generations removed and not even not is, even not even really two if we're being real because you think about yeah, like we, we, we were we were we kids in ninety four. Yeah, we was listening to B2K. Exactly I I not not B2K, not in ninety four. But you know what you know what you know what I kept saying? And, and I was you, saying you it jokingly you actually had an album in 2000. I was saying I was saying it I was saying it jokingly but it was the truth. I was like when apartheid ended Snoop and Dre was dropping albums. Bro, you ain't lying. Chronic. Yeah. 1994. Yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we like that's when that's when rap yeah. and hip hop was really getting into taking, its thing taking and off. they were just now and you know we've you know I grew up and I you know I've seen Nelson Mandela and understood what he did and all of that but the time frame i guess really didn't click for me until mm -hmm. i'm here now in cape town and i see the remnants mm -hmm. and i see the psychology behind it and i see the economics behind it and and i'm and i'm and i'm being told firsthand you know by someone who you know who who has lived, lived there experienced it knows people that experience it and is part of the culture um, and so, you know, it was, it was, it was that too in itself was one of those things, you know, I think for me, I was like, you know, Cape Town, South Africa and Cape Town specifically for me, I, I would say is an amazing introduction to the country. I mean, to the continent of Africa and my personal so, opinion. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to do this for you right here though. What you just did. I wasn't even going to pose the question because I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to offend anyone. 
But it's very important that we understand that this is a continent and not a country. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a, a a big misconception that happens when you really think about the landmass that is the motherland. We are talking about something that is inconceivable by some because of the way that history has remapped and, and rewrote things. So it takes touch on 12, that. It takes 12 hours to fly from the top of Africa to the bottom of Africa. How do I know? Because the first time we went, we flew from Paris to Cape Town. That's a 14-hour flight. Two of those hours are spent flying over over Europe. The next 12 hours, you're flying essentially from Morocco down to almost the bottom. Because Cape Town is not the absolute southernmost point of Africa either. So it it takes you a solid 12 to 13 hours to fly from top to bottom. That's how big that is. Now, it does not take you 12 hours to fly from New York to Cali. It takes you 12 hours to fly from New York to Hawaii. Yeah. So that's how big it is. What a layover. That's what the layover. So, yeah, Cape, I mean, uh, South Africa is, it's important to note, South Africa is a country that is part of Africa, the continent. That's right. I love that. I love that. I appreciate that from you. And then, look, man, um, before we, uh, before we close out, I just want to do this. You um, you inspire a lot of people. You always have an encouraging word. Um, if I get on social media, it's I love you. It's how y'all doing today. Let me check in with my five. Typically around homecoming, we can start that a little early this year too. <clears throat> but the thing that um, the thing that I admire most, man, is you have always been one way, bro. You are the, one of the more authentic people that I know, man. And I love this for you, that more people are seeing your authenticity. And I hope that it continues to attract all the good that uh, that the Most High has for you, bro. But I just want to say on behalf of everybody that you support and all the love that you put out there, man, we love you back, big dog. And it's a pleasure and a blessing to continue to be on this journey with you. But with that, man, we'll get you out of here and can't nobody wrap wrap this up better than you. So um, with that, I'll turn it back to you. Wrap us up and we we gone. Hey, man, I love and appreciate you and everybody else who does it for me. Um, this has been interesting. <laughs> this has been interesting to, say the the least, to, to be on the other side. Um <clears throat> so we might we might do this, we might do this more often. I don't know. We will see. I think we should, man. I got um, a lot of questions to ask you. But it's a, a uh it does me no it does me no uh no disservice to try to you know try to try to down somebody else or to look down on nobody else. My only goal mm-hmm. is to make sure that myself and others around me are happy. And um part of that is is part of happiness is access. And authenticity, access, and authenticity is 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 is, is I think what'll do it for everybody. Um, so, thank you for helping me. You know, I guess get my thoughts and feelings out in a in a in a, in a way to work. Because honestly, I've been I've been wanting to like post, like put a you know put a Facebook post, kind of wrapping yeah. and summing it up. And it's really hard to put it in the feelings and the words, just, you know, just typing it out. And then, you know, people going to read it or whatever. So honestly, for me, this is kind of a release where I get to just kind of like blurt it all out. 
Um, and hopefully, I have a small suggestion for you. I'm going to send you a link to a site, Tribute. Send that link to your um to your WhatsApp group. Let them upload thirty to ninety seconds of their reflections from South Africa. Those uploads then go to tribute. Oh and, yeah, yeah, tribute, tribute. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, yeah we we did that for uh for a couple of the yeah. pandemic birthdays. Yeah, exactly. So Not a bad idea. I got. You. I did it for my mother, bro. My mom, my my mom left it. So, but you can send that to the group. And that's something that they all have. And as a matter of fact, it'll be sponsored by Destrian Wells Consultants. So you send me the invoice, have them upload it, and um, we'll we'll do it like that. Because I think these moments have to be captured because, man, we're losing so many people and so much is happening in the world still. Um, Post-pandemic, so much is happening, but definitely capture these moments, man, because I don't think it'll be 30 people for long. I think you'll be taking thousands. And I'll be there with you, bro. I love hey, you, dog. I love you too, bro. What's crazy is I've been uh and it's not this is not to like boost me or nothing like that, but I really honestly been looking at it like I want to um and a lot of, you know, you know how stuff starts aligning for us where you have a conversation and three more conversations similar in the same vein start happening. You be like, "Hold on, is this is this happening or or is this coincidence? Um, but I really want to, you know, really uh, want to connect with a lot of other uh, with other travel agents who are experienced with international travel. And I want to connect with uh, tour guys across Africa. And I want to, you know, kind of put Mar Marcus Garvey's uh, uh, theories yep. and ideas into practice where we don't we don't necessarily have to move back if you don't want to. That's not going to be for everybody. But I definitely want all of us to consistently and continually visit home. Um, and experience it. Like I said, it's a continent. There are a, a hundred some countries in Africa, I think, just about. Yeah, yeah. So you could pick, you know, pick any of them. And within those countries, there are hundreds, if not thousands of cities. So it, it's something for everybody there. Um, but me personally, I definitely think that Cape Town, Cape Town, South Africa is a, is a great introduction. It's a very modern city, has all of the amenities, the love, the culture, um, to you know, to get you to get you to get your interest really sparked. It's a long flight, but I, when I say it's worth it, it's worth it. Um, so, with that being said, appreciate you again, my brother, for uh, for yes, having sir. this cocktail convo with me as me yes, interviewing me. Uh, but that's gonna do it for us here at the Bridgeton Podcast. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media at Bridgeton Pod. That's B R E A D. We were A D because we always talking about bread and we always get yeah. to that bread. It sounded yeah. like I didn't spell it right. I don't know why, but you said hey, it right. I'm, I'm reading hey, the words in the background. I look and me not even <laughs> noticing that I could just be reading off of a script. I don't even know it. But yeah, uh follow us at, at Bridger Podcast Series on all social media at Bridger Pod on Instagram, Bridger Podcast Series on Facebook. Uh follow all of our illustrious fellow co-hosts. You can find Mr. Deshaun Wells at Empower Engage Execute at D Wells Consultant, Dr. Ajamu Levin, PhD CFP at Dr. Ajamu Levin and Loving on Money and you on Facebook. And Miss Alicia Brandon of HBCU Pets, HBCUPets.com. Go get you some. Um but like I said, it's gonna do it for us here. We love you and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. We'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. <laughs>